You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hunt here, host, back with another episode. Uh, today, we're in the real estate office. Uh, got a great podcast for you today. Going to talk a lot about photography and some other things. Um, if you don't follow my guest, you will have to hit the link in the description and go follow him because his photography is phenomenal. I think I recently just shared your white buffalo photograph. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to have to talk about that um but mike daughter's on the podcast uh, thanks for coming in mike really appreciate it um for people listening if people meet you for the first time what do you tell them that you do uh well first of all thanks for having me it's great to be here and uh that's a good question because uh there's a there's a lot that i do photography is a is a huge part of my life um i do run photo tours specifically on wildlife um throughout the world a um, few times a year. Uh, 2024, I'm uh, gonna be probably about five to six tours, uh, working with everything from uh, Yellowstone, the wildlife of Yellowstone to orcas, uh, going to France for the horses of Carmage. Um, so I've got a lot planned in 2024. <clears throat> um, but yeah, as far as what I do, that's a <laughs> kind of a good question. Um, and I don't know if you just want me to kind of start talking about my yeah, background. Tell and me about who you are. I'll kind of start off with photography because I've been doing photography since I was probably 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was young, uh, actually all the way into my adulthood, I painted. Okay. So I would take my I'm the youngest of six kids. I would go with my brothers hunting when I was younger and I would photograph and then I would take those images and either create a landscape with wildlife or something. And I uh, got to a point where I, I uh, helped put myself through college through doing art shows and painting. Uh, I did um, duck stamp entry competitions type of paintings. I never won the duck stamp, but I entered the state and federal duck stamp in the past. 
And um, so that was a that was a big part of my life growing up. And then um, I'm from Oklahoma City, um, grew up here in El Reno, which is just 30 minutes west. And uh, went to high school here, went to OU and um, graduated in May of 91 and went directly into the Oklahoma City Police Department June of 91 and served 20 years in law enforcement. And um, and that's when, you know, I started a career and kids kind of uh, the art kind of fell off because I would paint for eight to 10 hours a day sometimes doing wildlife. And uh, that's when I had kids got back into photography. And now it's uh, um, it's a it's a big part of my life. Uh, I left law enforcement. I was in 91 to uh, 2011. I did 10 years here in Oklahoma City as a police officer, 10 years in AT, uh, Dallas with ATF. Oh, wow. And then retired and then started a company uh, called CCW Safe, which is Oklahoma based. We're based oh. here. <clears throat> and that is a, um, it is a legal membership service for concealed carriers. Okay. And that all started off of an incident I had on the police department. I, I was in a shooting in um, 1996 and it was just almost about a year after the bombing and I was involved in a shooting um, killed two guys on a drug raid and then ended up getting sued in federal court um, a couple years later right before the statute of limitations ran up that's usually how that works and uh, won that lawsuit um, and then I went to work 10 years with ATF and then when I left I realized I didn't have the protection I had from a fraternal order of police because I was a member they paid for all my defense and and I was actually looking into a, a service like that for me and realized that there really wasn't much out there and uh, so my brother Kyle Sweet uh, he's a local attorney here in Oklahoma City uh, just retired recently we started CCW safe in 2011 and, and that kind of took off and um, you know, we, we really originally started it only wanting really to cover Oklahoma and Texas. And within about six months, it went nationwide. We cover NYPD, retired officers associations now. We cover a lot of military stuff. So, um, so yeah, so that allowed me, you know, um, uh, retiring from law enforcement and starting that's kind of allowed me to get back into photography. And um, really now photography is more, uh, f- probably more therapy for me. Uh, so, uh, but it's a uh, yeah, it's it's amazing uh, to be able to to do what I do, and I kind of just lucked into that as well. I 2012, I uh, growing up, I the snowy owl was like one of my favorite birds. I had the Audubon books and would always look at animals and different, and I always loved the snowy owl and. I, thought, you know, man, I'll never see one of these in real life outside of a zoo or something. And uh, 2012, I went up to Seattle to photograph and they had an eruption in the Arctic, which pushed a lot of birds south. And so a guy was running uh, these like day trip photo tours up in Seattle. So I booked that, went up and uh, 
shot with him, kind of met him, and it was at the time just I think there was a couple days and it was just he and I got to know each other. We had a great time. His name's Aaron Bagenstoss, and he started Aaron's tours out of Seattle and uh, uh, just had a good time, got some great shots, and not too soon after that he called me and said, hey, do you want to help me? build my company, run my tours. He was doing uh, like Suburbans, you know, he'd take three people out. He's like, if you come, you can drive a Suburban. You, it'll double my occupancy. I'll pay for your travel and all that. So I said, yeah, of course I'll do that. I mean, that's a win-win. So uh, for the last 10 years, I've been kind of helping him build his company, which he's grown it into an amazing company. He's in the field 200 days a year all over the world. Um, so yeah, that's... Uh, that's a story. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to, to, to determine, say, you know, what, what I do. It's, there's so much to unpack. Um, I mean, obviously you've got a busy next year with five to six tours, you know, kind of going international to going to France, but let's go back. Um, sounds like you've been a creative your entire life from, you know, like as a kid mm-hmm. painting, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, what led you to be a police officer? Well, um, I always wanted to be in the Marine Corps. Okay. I mean, growing up, uh, you know, watching the movies, Hamburger Hill and all the different movies back in the Clint Eastwood movies and various movies back in the day, I just felt this draw to the Marine Corps and I wanted to go into the Marine Corps. And so <laughs> when I graduated high school, I went to enlist and I had asthma as a kid. And I think, I think the last time I had it was probably 12 years old at the when I was 16, 17, and went to enlist, and they couldn't take anything past, or I had it at 15 years old, they couldn't take anything past 12 years old. So they said, we can't, you know, you can't enlist because you have asthma. So uh, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. OU called, the, the ROTC OU called and said, hey, I think we can get you in to the ROTC program. So I went that route. I'd already been accepted to OU. Um, I had also been accepted to Pratt Art Institute in Brooklyn, and I was kind of trying to decide, okay, I really didn't want to go into art because I didn't want that to be a career. Um, and so, uh, so I went to OU, went through ROTC, and I, the, after the first semester, uh, they told me, uh, hey, we're not. We thought we could get a letter to get you in, but we're not going to be able to get you in. And I was devastated. And the guy could tell. It's funny. The officer at OU could tell that I was upset about this. And he was like, "Look, man, if you if you really want to go in, just go back. Just lie about. It. Don't tell me you have asthma. You don't have it now. They don't keep any records. You know, this was back in '87, '86, '87. And so I went back, did what he said, went all the way through. Went back in, re-enlisted, uh, and got all the way to my last physical, like the day before, I think it was the day before they were going to swear everybody in, and I had a kidney infection. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm not supposed to do this. So, um, and that was, you know, that was just my my first year of college. So that's when I started looking at law enforcement. And um Ended up going that route. I rode, uh, did a ride along one night uh, about a year later uh, with a guy who I became friends with. And uh, I was just like, man, this is awesome. Like, this, I, I got to do this. So, and you know, at the time, it was pretty tough to get on. Back then, it was 1,500 applicants for 50 spots. 
and I thought there's no way I'm going to get hired. You know, there's no way I'm going to make this cut. And uh, somehow, I mean, it, it took uh, the process was probably you know year year and a half. And somehow I got in, and I just went straight for May, graduating May of '91, uh, and June I was in the police academy. Down in El Reno. That's awesome. I can't imagine it was very busy down in El Reno. No, I was I was in Oklahoma oh, City. You're in, sorry, you're in Oklahoma City. Yeah, um, yeah. So being in Oklahoma City from '91, I mean, tell me about '95. You must have been around. Yeah, yeah. I worked. A, I was there the entire time. Worked yeah. the entire time, and um, there was a lot that happened. I mean, um, you know, there was um, gangs were heavy back then in Oklahoma City Crossroads of America we had everything coming you know LA to Memphis Mexico to Chicago you know drugs came east and north money went south and west and so everything came through Oklahoma City um, we had that the bombing uh, I tell people there was you know and this is kind of where it gets back to photography too you know there was probably a, a, there was a 15 year period of time right before starting right before I you know, when I was in high school, I lost my older brother, okay. who was, I was the youngest of six. Uh, he was my best friend, he was my hero. And um, lost my brother, you know, start the police department, uh, end up working the Oklahoma City bombing, get into a shooting the, a year later, two years later, get sued in federal court. Um, two years after that, I lose my left eye. And uh, there was like this 15 year period of time that it was just like one, um, you know, major life changing event after another. And, um, you know, eventually uh, got back into photography and it, like I said, it ended up being a, you know, more of a therapy. Uh, and I think it still is. But yeah, that time during the 90s was, it was, uh, I mean, it was awesome. I worked gangs pretty much my whole life. Uh, when I worked um, in out of Dallas, uh, ran a program, violent crimes program for the Dallas Field Division, and um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a different. It was definitely a different world than it is today, um, in more than one way, more than one sense. Uh, but it was hopping back then. It, it was uh, it was it was a great time. I say, you know, tell everybody it's a great time to be a cop back yeah. then in the in the late eighties, you know, nineties. So, uh, why did you kind of head towards like the ATF route? Like, why did you specialize in ATF? And you, know, you could have gone multiple other. Yeah, well, so what drew you to that? Yeah, like I said, in 99, 1999, I lost my left eye. My left eye got punctured, uh, actually, by an owl. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a crazy story. It is uh, <clears throat> So this is a prosthetic shell. Um, I still have my eye, but I'm, I'm blind. Um, and it's blue. It kind of took out all the iris in my eye. And uh, I was deer hunting. And in a tree stand, it was the third day we were out there by Calumet. And we saw a bunch of owls. And uh, the last morning, we got out super early, <clears throat> probably, you know, 4.35 in the morning, pitch black got out I was sitting in a tree not even in a tree stand just in a tree like the Y of a tree it's like this perfect little spot to get in and I found it uh, while I was out there you know during that weekend and got in it and that last morning a deer started blowing probably 30 yards to my right 
and it's kind of looking that way trying to determine it's like oh man there's one like right here and as i turned my head back it just got hit from the left and uh ended up shredding my eye the talons pierced my eye tried to rip it out and of course i didn't know that time you know if i i luckily went into shock uh I, I remember seeing a hunter about a hundred yards the day before. I thought I got shot. I was scared to feel the back of my head. I was like, then I thought there was a predator like alien, you know, in the trees. I was freaking out. And uh, so that, because of that, um, you know, was blind in my left after that. Being a gang unit police officer on the street and having that happen, there's no way I could go back to doing that work feeling safe. I mean, I was out for weeks, uh, just, you know, getting, having surgeries done and they ended up saving the eye, but lost my vision. So I actually left the police department. Um, um, my, uh, ex-wife, my wife at the time was, um, a doctor and she accepted a fellowship in Dallas. Uh, we were having our first child. She moved to Dallas, and so I moved to help support her. And uh, they wouldn't. I actually wanted to try to stay on the police department, but at the time, you could only be gone a year before you'd have to reapply and go through a whole nother academy and all. This. And I was like, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so I went to Dallas, and it just so happened all the ATF guys and a lot of the guys who worked the bombing investigation up here, amazing guys all those guys were in Dallas now and I'd worked with them on the street with, with gangs and, and a little bit of undercover. And, um, so they found out I moved to Dallas and called me and said, Hey, you want to, we need somebody to run this violent crimes program. At first I was like, nah, man, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, I'm having a kid. I'm just going to be a stay at home dad. Just take care of that. And, uh, Man, about six months later, I was I called him. I said, "Hey, man, is that job still open? Because I got to get out of this house. I can't do. I don't know what made me think I could be a, a full time dad. You know, stay at home dad. But uh, so that's why I went that route. This is just kind of a yeah another thing that happens in life that you really don't have an explanation for. Right. So you just get that itch, right? You're sat yeah. at home with your newborn, just like I gotta yeah. do something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Every day I get up, go to a, you know, go to take her to Sonic, take her to an indoor park or outdoor park, and then I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So. So then you get in down in ATF and you're there. You say ten years you were down. Ten there? years. Yeah. Wow. And I actually worked Oklahoma. I worked North Texas and Oklahoma. So I worked. All of Oklahoma worked everything down to um, Waco, Texas, and then for somehow I had El Paso. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a big area to cover, it's, but it's just working with local police departments, yeah. you know, in all those areas. So. Is that um, did you get El Paso because you were very good at what you do, and that's a high area? Or no, just, it no. Was just like, no, you're it, just going to get El Paso. Yeah, it, it was already, it, somehow that was long before I even got hired. North Texas covered El Paso, and I, I don't know how that happened, but. Doesn't uh, seem like that makes much sense. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned, like, that was kind of like the golden era of, of policing as well, like, especially in the 90s to, through that. Um, we have a mutual friend, which I've just been, I just found out, April Collins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael Collins is my professor at SNU. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember when you said CCW, I remember her telling me about Stan, because Stan was thinking of buying yes. an apartment in Oklahoma City. Uh, and so okay. that small world, um, 
So she's like, she just texted me. <laughs> she was telling me about it, um, you know, about everything. But she said that you and your partner were, were quite the um, quite the team back in the day. You and uh, Mike Sharp. Mike Sharp, yeah. yeah. She said you guys were pretty, uh, oh, yeah. pretty impressive back in the day with the gang stuff. So, I mean, that must be exciting. Every day is different. You're kind of, you work in a case or you're undercover. I mean, like... You're in the thick of it, right? You're getting the yeah. juices flowing, and you're not just driving a squad car around and you know pulling yeah, people it, over. You know, gangs and Mike Sharp is a, a legend on the police department. He, uh, his dad was JD Sharp, sheriff for many years, and uh, everybody knew Mike Sharp, especially on the street. Gang, you know, gang members everywhere and uh it was yeah we were in a at the time uh four years i think we were in a uh we were in scout cars but we didn't have to answer calls so we just hit it was all self-initiated we just hit all areas that you know where the where the where all the gangs were and it was oh man it was so much fun yeah jump outs we get in uh vans and do jump outs in apartments and just start chasing you know everybody that ran uh it was all and it was nice because we we were able to work a lot of high profile cases but we didn't get stuck on them we were the ones they called to say we need to find this guy uh we worked cases with between la and memphis on with the secret service on counterfeiting you know drug cases i worked a lot with atf fbi Uh, so yeah it was a good it was a good gig obviously atf stuff alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned earlier, Oklahoma City is the crossroads, right? So you've got all this stuff coming in. What are your thoughts on like now being outside of it with, you know, marijuana being legal and like, you know, a lot of kind of, let's say, Chinese gangs coming into the middle of mm-hmm. Oklahoma and no one knows about it, but, you know, no one in Oklahoma City knows about it, but the rural areas, like they're not covered. Right. What's kind of like your thoughts or, I mean, do you have any thoughts on just like what that whole is and, and do you wish you were in the mix now compared to when you were in the 90s? Well, I, 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 I've always missed the job. Yeah. I've always missed the work. Um, I don't think I could work under the current administrations that there are um and you know police officers you know it was it was a it was a thankless job when we had it and now it's even more so you know these guys who are out there now i mean and it's and and you know we used to have you know whenever there's a shooting they always come in threes when something bad happens they always come in threes and it was you know but but back then we would have maybe three three shootings every you know, a couple months, three months. Now they're having them every week. I mean, they're having so many more. Um, you know, I, I, I've been out of the mix as far as the drugs and the trafficking of drugs, all that, um, that I don't really know uh, what all's going on now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to still do the work if I didn't have to work in the conditions and under the administrations that they do. And I'm not saying that, you know, all police administrations are bad, but it's just the, uh, you know, I mean, you look at our, look at our country and the government right now, it's just, it's just kind of spiraling. Just different. It's in a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moving to the photography side of things then, uh, when do you like, you know, start to think I want to do this as tours, and and I mean, do you retire and move back to Oklahoma? Like, where, where is that? Catch me up for that period after Dallas. Like, what happens next? 
Uh, well, moved back. To, moved back to Oklahoma. I was still working for the ATF at the time. I had a, a judo school here in Oklahoma City. I've done judo for thirty years of my life, my adult life, um, and actually closed it down once I started CCW State. But we actually just reopened, so we're in our second year now. Um, I opened OKC Combat Sports okay. with four other guys who we've trained with for twenty years uh, downtown, and it's judo, jiu-jitsu, and boxing. Um, so it's a great um, academy. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't get a whole lot of t- time to time to work out. Number one, I'm a single uh, father now. I have uh, two in college. My youngest is in high school, um, so I have her full time. Um, and between my trips and traveling and uh, my injuries, you know, everything hurts now. I can't. It's just so hard to train. Uh, with the travel and the to keep it consistent um but so when i came back uh, i continued to do that continued to run my school um and then when i finally left i came back in 2004 so i was in dallas from uh from 2001 to 2004 but then i continued working until 2011 living from Oklahoma City so I was traveling about every two weeks to Dallas and then I would travel to you know all the cities that I had Tulsa Lubbock Tyler um, El Paso Dallas Fort Worth I was working with all those agencies so there was a lot of travel back then even Um, and then when I left you know uh, is when I started CCW safe and then the and then the photo uh, the photography took off and I, I don't really want to do photo tours I mean I'll I would love to continue to help Aaron's tours uh, but I think my I think the future is um, in just I'm doing a lot online on social media now I'm doing a lot of uh, video now um, so I don't really know where it's going to take me I do love like I love uh you know, getting out, whether it be in nature on a mountain or, um, you know, on wildlife, uh, it's a, it's kind of a, um, necessity for my soul now. It's like, I can't go without it. I, you know, in Oklahoma is a great place. I love Oklahoma as my home base, and I'm always going to be here. I have I have family here. My kids are here. You know, I don't know if they're going to end up staying here to it or OU now. Um, but Oklahoma is such a good place. It's so relaxed. It's so laid back. Cost of living. You know, everything. Traffic. It's not like these other cities. So <clears throat> I think I'll always be here. But um, you know. I, even when I'm back for a couple months, I start to like get this. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like I don't feel alive unless I'm going after something, you know, uh, it's just, and, and it's just a recharge. And, and it started, you know, annually when I started doing this and, uh, I've been running, um, Tetons and Alaska or Tetons and Yellowstone tours for year for, you know, 10 years. And then the more it started traveling, the more, you know, the itch gets. And part of it is, I think, probably adrenaline, you know, a replacement from law enforcement. You know, when we were working law enforcement, adrenaline was high. I mean, we were in car pursuits, foot, pursuit, foot pursuits every night, um, you know, chasing people down. And I think part of it is is that. And then a lot of it is therapy of just 
the stuff seen and deal with dealt with in the past and um so yeah i don't, I don't know exactly what's going to yeah. happen i'd like to do a gallery here in oklahoma city um i print big i, pr- I just got a print in it's nine feet wide and it's an acrylic gla- acrylic print yeah they come from germany and it's one solid piece um so i'd like to do a gallery at some time um some point i will also still paint a little bit um but I like to work with you know other artists. Uh, I know some really. We have some really good. Brent Learned, amazing Indian artist here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, you know we have some some really good. Creed Bayless is another one. So I'd like to work with some local artists as well in a gallery situation in the future. But uh, small world. Brent Learned is actually my uncle. Really? Yeah. See, I went to school. So I went to Northwest class with him and his brother, George. Okay. So they, their, oldest, their older brother, Chad, is, yeah. my, is my father-in-law. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Small world. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Brent's very good at George. Brent. Is the better. George, I, 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 Brent probably, hopefully doesn't listen to this. I've heard that George is the better artist, but he doesn't <laughs> do it as much as, like, yeah. Brent does it for a living, whereas George just yeah. kind of does it for fun, right? Yeah. That's all what I've heard. Um, but yeah, um, Brent and Michelle, they're always. Oh, man. Big Chiefs, yeah. big, uh, big Kansas City Chiefs fans. Yeah. Love yeah. that. That's awesome. Small world. Uh, well, I might see them this week, Thanksgiving. Well, so tell them I said I hi. Tell them I've, I've said actually hi. been trying to get a hold of him because. Okay. I I want to do some uh, collaboration, kind of possibly workshop stuff with him in the yeah. future. But brilliant! Um, yeah. So dive into kind of just like the um, like going into wildlife. Like obviously, listening to you for thirty minutes, your wildlife. Like you seem to be someone who's always been in nature. You know, hunting yeah. as a kid. You know, always around that, and obviously that nature. Now, the older you've gotten, and, and through these things that you've been through, the things that you've seen, it's kind of served a different purpose. Now that you're just out there with a camera, soul, ser- you know, soul searching, mentally, just like nice to be away from people. Yeah, it seems like it serves a real good purpose now, and maybe it did back then, but you probably weren't aware of it. You're just out right. there having hunting, having a good time. Talk to me about like getting out and, and especially in, in Oklahoma, people listening, you know, might not be able to drive to Yellowstone or travel around the world, but they can, you know, they can drive an hour into the countryside in Oklahoma and just go for a wander up a mountain. So right. give some, give some kind of context into that and just like the, the clarity you get and places that you may go, even if you do have just a few hours. Yeah. And there's, you know, the great thing about Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the geography of the state is the it reflects the geography of our whole country you know each corner of our state is so different and there's you know i don't get because of my travel and my kids i don't get out a lot in oklahoma Uh, but um, and that's one thing you know i'm looking forward to when my youngest kind of gets into college to be able to to do more to get to quartz mountains and be able to get to um you know up in the plains and the panhandle and get down into the um you know the swamp area down you know in the southern southeast part of the state um just it's also different the the, uh, little sahara i mean we have everything here and i want to be able to explore more and it's there's a lot to do here um and even you know 
I am going to try this this winter to get out some and just some that Lake Hefner. You know, there's a bald eagle right now out at Lake Hefner that's been out there fishing. Uh, a friend of mine sent a pic. He's at the marina and he sent a pic on his cell phone. Had a huge fish in his claws flying down the the slough. So there's, uh, you know, we get things migrate through. We've had snowy owls actually migrate through. We had one up around Arcadia at one time. But yeah, Arcadia, Lake Hefner, Overholzer. Um, you know, the Wichita's are great places, especially this time of year, to get out and photograph. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, for me, it's, you know, I've seen the best of people, the worst, the worst of people, the best, and everything in between. And for me to be able to, like, get out and, and it's not that I, you know, uh, don't want to deal with people, but I just want to, and a lot of it is probably my eye. You know, but I just want to be able to uh, to be able to see, you know, my life now through that lens. I want to see the beauty of the world. I want to see all that. And, you know, I've been told uh, in the next 10 years, I'm going to have a retinal detachment in my right eye. And now if you can get in within like 24 hours, they can laser it. And it's like a 90 percent chance you're never going to have any problem. 99 percent chance you're going to. But if it actually detaches and you have to go to surgery. Um, I think the odds are still pretty good, but I only got one eye. So, you know, um, and a lot of it is that, you know, I mean, I, I want to be able to heaven forbid I ever do lose that vision. I want to be able to have a bank of images in my mind that I can, you know, my kids and all these places that I've been and, um, so yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, but, but, you know, for anybody wanting to, to get out, you don't have to go far yeah. here in Oklahoma, even Oklahoma City. I mean, Lake Hefner, I'm going to hopefully spend quite a bit of time, Lake Hefner, Lake Overholzer here coming up, try to get some waterfowl pictures and videos. But Yeah. it uh, Back to the, you know, the eye thing, it really puts life in perspective, right? Like, like I have one of these now. And I, yeah. I mean, it's something we all take for granted, right? Like, we didn't. You know, some people are born and they, they, they're blind and they never know. And I yeah. think it's worse to be, you know, to have seen the world and then go blind after. Yeah. Right? Like it's... And it's t- it's hard. Like I remember when I left the police department, I didn't feel safe. You know, at the time, I mean, we were dealing with the worst of the worst. Um, and I didn't feel safe. Personally, and I was, I mean, I trained all the time uh, in judo, in jits. I trained at the range, you know, my shot, I shot all the time. And I, I didn't feel safe. Around the same time, there was a girl that got hired that was only, that was blind in one eye, but she had been blind all her life. And when that first happened, I mean, even now, when I hand somebody a credit card, you know, they hand it back and I miss it or trying to light a candle, you know, trying to light a wick is, uh, so there's no way that I would do that. And it's gotten better over time, but it's still that depth perception. But I think that's different. Like if somebody who's, who's, you know, been blind in one eye their entire life and, you know, she's still in the police department and she's great. Um, for me personally, I, what I was doing at that time, especially with the kid coming along, it was like, you know, I can't, I, I can't continue to do this. Um, but yeah, you do take it for granted. And it's like, you know, I'm 54. I'm getting to a pl- p- point where I'm like, okay, I got 
I probably got 20, 25 really good years left. And uh, then you throw on top of that, like, oh man, next 10 years, I'm gonna have, I could have a detachment. And I'm, you know, if I'm on, on a boat out in the middle of the Arctic, and how am I, you know, how am I gonna get, get to a, a surgery center in a day, mm-hmm. you know? So now pretty much every, anytime I'm going out of the country, I'll just go in, make an appointment, have them check it, make sure it, you know, it looks okay and, and go from there. So, yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a thing to live with, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me about this uh, great white buffalo, this white bison that you found. Oh yeah, that was really cool. That's actually a friend of mine, a uh, guy I met recently. So I, I talked, I did a presentation, a masterclass at the Photocon mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Shout and out to uh, Bedford's camera. Yeah. Bedford's camera. Uh-huh. They were, they were great. Um, and I, I did it on wildlife and it was kind of field to print. So it's kind of, um, over the process from in the field, um, getting the shots, but then also post post-processing and, and getting to point to print big. And I uh, met a guy out there, met a lot of great people that, um, you know, I haven't really been involved with the photography, um, you know, groups here in Oklahoma city, met some guy, people in Tulsa and, uh, uh, Brian Pearson called and said, Hey, he's a guy I met and we had coffee one day. And then, uh, soon after that, I said, Hey, there's a white bison in Oklahoma. I was like, no way. So uh, he was had gone out to Tall Grass Prairie and in that area, and uh, so he took me. He took me out one day where he, he was on a some private land and went out. And it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I've, I've photographed a lot of bison in Yellowstone and uh, never seen never seen a white one or a light one like that. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, I think I shared his photo and then I saw his comment and he was talking about, oh, I met, and then I saw yours and I think it just shared both those photos. But I mean, yeah, you don't get to see those very often, right? No, there's not. I mean, I, I, as far as, and I don't know a whole lot about it. We were talking about it on the way out there, but you know, like a true white, an albino bison, there's only one in 10 million, Yeah, you know? And I don't know if that one was light for, from crossbreeding, you know, the eyes so, were brown. Yeah. So, um, but it was a super cool experience. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, again, like um, Wichita Wildlife Refuge right now, you can go down there and get on bison. You probably start seeing elk down there uh, now from now until, you know, probably February. And, uh, but yeah, they have a lot of bison out there. We got places all over. He was talking about tall grass prairie. I've never been there, um, but there's we have some really unique, cool places here in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and photography is like it's you know it, no matter where you are, what camera you have, I mean, you can still take photos. Oh yeah, like it's such a cool thing. Phones to today. I mean, the iPhone has become pretty much my wide angle shot. You know, I don't, uh, I started out doing a lot of landscape photography and now it's, you know, my lenses are so big. It's, I just carry my phone to, to do wide angle and it does awesome, you know, especially for online. Oh yeah. So, you're not, yeah. You're not blowing it up into nine yeah. feet, you know, yeah. for your Instagram feed. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. What's that been like having kind of an Instagram following and, and, you know, I'm sure you didn't set out to be like, I'm going to be Instagram famous, but like, it's, you know, it's obviously a testament to the work that you do and, and the posts that you have. What's that like? Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't, I, um, you know, started, I've been on there. I don't know how long I've been on, uh, kind of an early adopter to that, but probably, 
And I think a lot of it was from my company. You know, I started CCW Safe, and we immediately kind of um, blew up. Um, overnight, we came in at a time where there were some things nationally going on, and uh, so I think I got a lot of followers from that. Uh, but yeah, wait, you know, I remember waking up one day and I, I'd seen it kind of progress, and you get to like twenty thousand followers, like wow, man, how did this happen? And um, now I'm to a point um, where I really do want to do kind of some more with that. You know, um, Aaron Bagginstoss, the guy in Seattle, Aaron Stewart's that I work with, um, we're starting a uh, 51C3, it's ACHT conservation. Uh, It's going to be built on awareness, um, community, habitat, and tourism, social tourism. We can go try to go help wildlife in different areas that um, one example is in Patagonia. We photograph pumas down there and they're killing the pumas as soon as they come out of the park. And so if we can show them, you know, the land, they can't use the land. Um, they can't make more money off the land than they could running photo tours. So um, trying to work with some of the Estancia owners down there to get them more into a conservation role to where they could actually make money from their land that, they, that they're yeah. unable to do now. Um, so we're uh, kind of started that. And so I want to be able to use that social media platform to further that. We want to do some projects like in Patagonia, Pumas in Patagonia will probably be one of the first ones. Um, you know, wolves in Montana. I mean, the same thing's going on up there. You know, wolves are being killed as soon as they come off the, off the parkland. And, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's different, especially when, you know, my my daughters are like, oh my gosh, I'm the little boys follow you. It's like, oh, what a, you know, they don't like it. They, they're like, oh, dad, stop. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great platform to be able to, you know, to use for something like that. And that's what I'd like to do. Yeah, and also that. generate business, sell prints, right? Like it's it's free to be on there and free to use. And, oh yeah, you know it's it's a worldwide, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've sold prints to places you probably thought you'd never sell prints yeah. to. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got contacted yesterday on one, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 good and bad, but it's it's good to yeah. be able to have that. Do you have a, a favorite trip that you've been on, or a favorite kind of like? animal that you wanted to capture and, and you made the journey and it was difficult i mean just any stories like that yeah well i, I put the one out about crimp here uh, i think you saw that that's a really cool story you know being up in uh alaska and i've and i've been out in alaska and i've seen uh we were out the first time i went to alaska i think in 17 we we're there and we followed this this sow and two young cubs spring cubs and one day we we're about 100 yards up and this male bear comes out and just goes for the the babies the bears the cubs and the mom is fighting it and it's like going you know they're like you can see it a hundred yards when they hit you can see all the water coming off and fur coming off them. and one of the one of the guys is like oh my gosh what are we gonna do what are we gonna do we gotta we gotta we gotta do something he's gonna kill the cubs and i was like nope nope this is a circle of life this weird this is as far as we're going um, so that was cool. That story on crimp ear. If you haven't anybody watching, haven't seen that, watch it. It's a, but yeah, she lost a cub and then was able to immediately foster another cub. 
Um, but one of the coolest, uh, kind of funniest stories as far as animals orcas, um, I, in 20, and it's actually right before COVID and is, you know, a lot of this is like, this is one of the things that actually helped me get through COVID because I was going through a really hard time in COVID with the divorce and, um, you know, kids not seeing my kids much because of the COVID and, um, it helped me get through COVID, but I went to, um, 2020, March of 2020, I was in Cabo and I had a friend who's a, a photographer and she travels all over the world and, uh, doing wildlife. And, uh, I had told her I was going to be in Cabo cause she's kind of from that area. And I was saying, Hey, what's it to do? And she said, I'm going to come up. She was, uh, get an underwater housing. We're going to go photograph Mako sharks. And I was like, really? It's like, okay. So I rent this house underwater, never done any kind of underwater photo photography at all. Never had any desire to do underwater photography. So I get this housing and, you know, I have my camera there and it's, it's a cheap rented housing and my zoom's not working. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we go out and we're on this boat and they're chumming the water and they're, you know, throwing fish guts in and everything, trying to get these Makos. And he's talking and the guy's like, okay, these are like great whites on cocaine. They're super fast. You know, they're that electromagnetic sense. So they're going to come to your, you know, they're going to attack your dome. You have to keep your dome and your fins in between you and never take an eye off them. I'm like, dude, I only got one eye. So I'm like, you know, at this point I'm like, man, this is like, I'm getting a little concerned. I'm trying to build my confidence up, you know, and I'm like, man, am I really going to do this? They keep chumming and he keeps talking. I'm like, dang man up and you know just trying to build my confidence up all of a sudden they pull everything in they're like let's go let's go let's go orcas orcas so we take off after these or a pot of orcas there's five six orcas we take off after this pot of orcas i was so relieved i wasn't getting in with the sharks we caught up to orca he's like in the water i jumped in immediately with the orcas and I'm sitting there, I hit, and I'm underwater, and I'm photographing, and there's like five coming straight to me, and there's one big one right in front of me. And I'm like, whoa, this is amazing, this is incredible. You know, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, and I look over, and I was at the front of the back, and everybody else was at the back of the boat. So I look over, and they're I'm kind of by myself, and they're over to my left, I'm like, ah, this is not good. But they come, and they come straight to me, and there was a baby, there was like five and a baby, and they come right to me, and I'm like, kind of like what do I do? like I can't move underwater like you can't sprint you can't get behind a boat and it comes to me and goes underneath me and passes and it was I was high for three days like three days I could not sit still I was like that was incredible and you know the a female when she passed underneath me like I looked in her eye and I saw her eye I, it was just a brief moment but, and I try to explain this to people and it's hard to explain, but it was almost like a telepathic communication as she passed, everything was calm. I, you know, at first I was like, oh crap, they're on me. Like they're right here. And then everything disappeared. I saw that eye go by and it was like, I, there was this communication like, Hey, everything's good. Everything's calm. We mean no harm. Uh, you know, there's never been any attacks on orcas outside of captivity. And it was just a amazing experience. I've gone back twice for orcas and I've not got back on them. So I'm going in June to La Ventana. I'm going to be on a 45 foot catamaran for six nights 
live aboard on the ocean and we're going for it. So I'm hoping and we're going to have plane spotters to, to find the orcas for us. So I'm really hoping that I get back on orcas because that was, uh, it was incredible. The funniest part was we get back to the marina and the guy, and I, I don't know if he's just joking with me or what, but he's like, Mike, he's like, I have to tell you how special this was. He's like, we've never swam with orcas before. <laughs> and I'm like, what'd you say? <laughs> he said they'd been there for, you know, two or three years. They started coming in because the mobulus is there. That's what they eat. And I was like, what'd you say? So, yeah, it was kind of funny. But I've gone with that same guy a few times now. And uh, looking forward to this year going back. Dude, awesome. Uh, what a great way to end. Michael, thank you. Uh, Mike, sorry. Thank you for uh, spending some time sharing some stories. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been a blast. Uh, for people listening, uh, go to Instagram at jmdata. I'll put the Instagram uh, link down below. You should go follow Mike if you don't already. And um, I mean, next year's Photocon, I assume you're probably going probably gonna to teach another class. I'd love to. Yeah. I hope so. I haven't, I haven't talked too much since then. I've kind of yeah. getting decompressing, but yeah, I hope so. Good. And uh, wish you all the best of luck for the uh, next whale trip, the orca trip. That would be really cool. So thank you. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Obviously love, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see that your multiple businesses that you have, um, wish you all the best with the judo school. And, and was it, what was the full name? OKC combat sports. OKC combat yeah. sports. Um, people just Google that and they can find it. They yeah. Get we it do adults, kids, everything. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll post that link down in the description as well. And uh, for people listening, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.